our first panel of 2021. So it's January 2021, answering your well-being question. So here's our wonderful panel tonight. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Hello. So, um, so glad you could be here. Our wonderful business members are eager to help you create your best life. So I will introduce Mimi Thorpe first. Mimi is the owner of Soul Alchemy. She practices various energy medicine modalities, drawing from a wide background in body talk, reconnective healing, sound therapy, emotional release, and animal communication, to name a few. In her practice, she is passionate about guiding people through the experience of stuckness, pain, and overwhelming emotion to find deeper connection to their true selves and relief from what seems insurmountable at the time. Guided by her intuition, she taps deeply into the root causes of what it is, is out of balance in her client's life and body, bringing about realizations and shifts that allow healing to take place. Mimi's passion includes drawing on the wisdom of her animals to bring about deep understanding for the messages and compassion they hold for our personal journeys. Bringing animals into sessions, whether as support or as a client itself, often facilitates the most profound and magical changes in all observing. Soul Alchemy offers healing sessions out of Mimi's home and horse-guided sessions in her paddock, as well as distant sessions over the phone or Zoom. I have been lucky enough to go to Mimi's house. and Oh my goodness, it's just so <laughs> tranquil and amazing. <laughs> Carla's been there too. It's beautiful. You have to get out there sometime. It's just... Yeah. Look <laughs> <laughs> why I haven't been. <laughs> and I know you're an animal lover too. So to see the, to see the uh, horses there and she has a beautiful dog and we were able to go for a walk and it was just a magical experience going there. So if you haven't had a chance to connect with Mimi and go to her property, I totally highly recommend it. So mm -hmm. next I'd like to introduce Kate Shivers. Kate Shivers is a mortgage broker. A mortgage broker is intermediary who brings mortgage borrowers and mortgage lenders together, but who does not use their own funds to originate mortgages. The mortgage broker also gathers paperwork from the borrower and passes the paperwork work along to a mortgage lender for underwriting and approval purposes. Working with a broker has its advantages. And I and uh, being in the financial industry forever, I saw this a, a lot. So a broker has lots of power when it comes to service and pur purchasing power. So when you go get a mortgage, you're all on your own. So you go negotiate with the bank and you try to get a mortgage, but a broker brings lots of mortgages. So they have more ability to, to go negotiate good rates for their clients and servicing too. So when you run into problems with service with your bank and you're fighting on your own, they're gonna to listen to a broker more because they don't wanna lose the business that a broker brings to them. So brokers are fantastic if you've never dealt with them. So I highly recommend. They're free to work with and they have access to possible better rates, access to more lenders, expertise because they, they specialize and they're independent. So like when you, I used to work at TD, I was a branch manager for a long time. So when people come and do mortgages, they're dealing with somebody that does mortgages, investments, accounts. So they're, they're doing all kinds of things. But when you deal with a mortgage broker, it's very specialized. So as you can tell, I'm very passionate about financial health. So <laughs> I'm thrilled that Kate is uh, recently joined her husband in the mortgage broker business because I know what a kind soul she is. Uh, she used to do more well-being stuff. I'm sure she does a little bit on the side still a little bit because she's passionate about 
that. But I, I, I recommend uh, dealing with Kate because I know she'll do whatever it takes to make you happy and, and have a good experience. Yes, thank you. So welcome. And Carla Dawes. Carla is an emotional success coach an internationally accredited EFT tapping practitioner. If you're feeling anxious, stressed out, stuck in the past or uncertain about the future, future Carla can help. Through transformational workshops, retreats, coaching courses, Carla will guide you to break through the emotional blocks that are holding you back and help you step into the power so that you can love yourself and who you're becoming. Carla also has a degree in psychology, is a licensed desire math facilitator, a Paddle Canada stand-up paddleboard instructor, and a lifestyle of meditation and breathwork facilitator. She is currently competing graduate studies towards certifi certification, certification sorry, <laughs> as an advanced EFT tapping practitioner. Carla is also the owner and founder of Rising Into Resilience, a coaching and wellness resource dedicated exclusively to supporting the spouses and caregivers of trauma survivors who post-traumatically stress and, com and complex trauma. That's amazing. I didn't realize you're the paddleboard. Yeah, uh, it's fun. <laughs> Super fun. It's great for my retreats because I can introduce people to standard paddleboarding and give them SUP 101 and then usually take them up to Cal Lake and go out for a paddle. So nice. Good. I'm working fun. on balancing. And yeah. And so that's fantastic. Exactly. So I didn't know Carla terribly well when she joined us in the, um, the well-being show a couple of years ago and she's like here pick a card any card and I picked a card and I used to have I used to have my desk that was two years ago so I don't have it on my desk card and I was like oh my god that's that was me like you knew me or something so, <laughs> so intuitive and so amazing and, uh, and um, it's always a joy to see see Carla whenever you get whenever I get a chance so thank you welcome you guys thank you for having us here. so we're gonna our first question is gonna be the same for everybody so we'll start off with Mimi and we'd love to hear, what do you do for your personal care? Personal care. Um, most important thing is finding a moment of stillness, um, connecting to yourself, um, using the power of breath, and really identifying what do I need in the moment. So then when my need is identified, I'm taking care of myself then I think the connection goes outward to everyone around me, connecting to my children, connecting to my animals, connecting to nature. But I always find like the connecting to self has to happen first. And then the next step is connecting outwards. So, but really yeah, the power word for me is connection. Awesome, love it. So Kate, how do you personally take care of yourself? Well, um, the list is long, so I'll try, <laughs> I'll try and like condense it. Um, I'm a big believer in self-care. I have um, lots that I do. So I am a triathlete. I'm um, training for Ironman coming up this year. Hopefully it actually happens this year in Penticton. Um, mm. I So I get lots of time, a couple hours a day probably, I spend doing swimming, biking, running, stretching, yoga, um, something in this regard, because I want to stay healthy physically and mentally. I find it takes my anxiety down and it, it makes me happy. Um, I love the changes of the seasons. I love being out in the snow and out in the sun or everything in between. Um, 
I also get to connect with people who are like-minded to me. So I have people that I run with, well, actually just now one person that I run with because of COVID, but <laughs> you know, that's okay. Before <laughs> this, I had other people, um, but on Online, we can ride together and it's actually even allowed me to have connections with more with my family because I have an uncle and aunt in Victoria who also ride their bikes inside on their trainers so we meet online on Tuesday mornings and ride together um, yeah I have uh, my dog and I love to take her to the dog park I love to take her for walks I have my four children so we do uh, play games and watch movies and I make I love to cook um, so I make meals and just, I just love being able to connect in that way, either with my self-care, but mostly integrating my self-care with other people's self-care. <laughs> and so we can all stay grounded and healthy. That's lovely. It's always better when you can do it together. Hey? Yeah, absolutely. You, know you're, you love your family. And if they're yeah. so important to you. you <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. So Carla, what do you do for personal self-care? Yeah, so um, so I have a fairly um, fairly steady routine ritual. I'm much like Kate. I really need to move my body every day for my physical health, for my mental health. So, um, actually, before COVID, um, there were a group. There was a group of girls, like girlfriends, that would come to my house every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at six in the morning, and we shared a trainer that we would train together. Um, and we still do that. We do it online now, though, instead of doing it in person. So that was a big shift for us, but still we get to do it so exercise is huge um I, meditation and mindfulness are really important practices for me as well and sort of incorporated in that is obviously tapping um and I do some journaling I don't I don't love it because I find that my wrist gets very sore after writing for a long time <laughs> we don't write much these days no. so. but sometimes it's the best way for me to just sort of get get out what's in my head out and uh, and sort of sort through my thoughts um and much like cake also spending a lot of time outdoors with my family like moving to Kelowna was just such a huge thing for me because I was living in Alberta before moving here um, and I had lived in a lot of different places before that. And coming back to Alberta, I forgot how long winter was. So coming to Kelowna and being able to be outside every single day on the hiking trails, snowshoeing, whatever, and not freeze my butt off was just like, oh, it was the best <laughs> thing ever. So yeah, so that I would say that's my self my self care. That's all of my my self care things. And of course, other things as well. I love reading, um, and sleep is also super super important to me. I'm very committed to my sleep, so I'm gonna have to sign off by eight thirty latest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah, that's about it. That's awesome. Those are great great tips and stuff that you guys do. That's fantastic. So now we will kick over to the questions. So uh, these are questions that have been collected through various sources and feedback uh, through lots of different places. So hopefully it captures a lot of people's questions that are out there. So Mimi, I love my dog and cat. I do find that they can tell when I am happy or sad. How do they know how I'm feeling? Could I be harming them when I'm sad? Can I, sorry, the last word? Harm them, can it harm, harm. them? When, I, when I'm depressed or sad around them? Um, I don't think our emotions are harmful. Um, well, they can definitely tell how we're feeling. So um, we connect on so many levels with another. Obviously there is connection through language and body language that we have with 
humans, but that's such a small fraction of how we really connect with another. Most of all, we're connecting through our energy fields and animals are so much more aware of that. And our human bodies are aware of it, but our human minds are not until we train that and pay attention to it. And when we train our intuition, we can start picking up on other people's emotions as well, but it's just an awareness. So that an awareness that animals still have. So yes, they can absolutely tell what we're feeling and how we're feeling. And um, I think our animals in a way are choosing us. They're choosing to be with us and they're choosing to be there for us and with us as well. And um, so our emotions, I don't think we're harming them at the same time yes, it does affect them. So making sure that our animals are emotionally taken care of as well is that just a reciprocation that we have with another. And I'm sure if anyone loves their animal so much, like that person asked, they love their dog and their cat so much, it's an exchange of uh, taking care of each other. And I've never noticed an animal not willingly wanting to be there for us in sadness or through grief or even anger, frustration. They're there for us and with us. That's awesome. And I do believe that owning animals uh, elongate your life too, because how much you mm. have to too, which is, which is just awesome. I so love that question. Can I share that my dog loves tapping? I tap really? on my dog's collarbone and he loves it. He just, really? sits there. oh yeah, he loves oh. it. It really settles him down. I'll have to try that with my dog. My <laughs> <laughs> you can catch him. You read some, I was telling Kate earlier that our dog, we got adopted on March 24th and we were told about a year old. So he's still crazy. He's so crazy. And he gets walked like four times a day. Actually, one of those walks is a, seven to 10 kilometer run with my husband. So he gets exercise like crazy. He's got a big backyard. He's just got so much energy, but he crashes hard at nighttime. Does he? Well, that'll be time I can tap his. <laughs> Mimi, if I remember, your dog is a Bernese mountain dog, is it not? Uh, she's Bernese mountain dog crossed with a tiny bit of border collie in there to give her ah, a little bit of a... <laughs> She's yeah. so beautiful. She's got such great energy too. Yeah. What kind of yeah. dog? What kind of dog do you have, Carla? I have so I have an Entelbooker Mountain Dog, who's in the same family as the Bernese Mountain Dog, but a much smaller, like fifty pounds and short hair. So he he doesn't really shed very much. Um, but same family, very similar temperament to the Burners. So yeah. How yours? How about yours? Uh, we have a, a white husky. I think he's part husky, wow. so he's sixty pounds and so much of energy and stuff he's great and, but i think kate's got the biggest dog what what kind of dog do you have he's a saint bernard times with a great pyrenees oh. Oh. <laughs> but she's a big lovey dove like total love dove so and how much it's a gentle she, giant for sure how much does she weigh again? Uh, i think about 130 pounds yeah. probably she's almost two so she might be slowing down her growth now <laughs> I'm surprised she's not in here. She's usually right with me when I'm when I'm doing these things. So maybe she'll come visit later. <laughs> Sounds good. Dogs are the best. Yeah. Uh, so Kate, interest rates are pretty low now. Is this a good time to renegotiate my mortgage? Can I say? Well, um, generally the answer is yes. That um, 
And so, so that's exactly the service that, that, that we offer is if people hear something like that, and then they want to find out if it's going to benefit them, there's not really a blanket answer that, that applies to everybody because people have different arrangements with their mortgages. So we will look at people, um, what their payout fees are, what their particular terms are with their mortgage and the interest rate as well, and then give people the the best scenario possible because interest rates aren't the only thing that matters. Sometimes people want to be able to um, pay off their mortgage in two years or pay it off, like maybe they're expecting an inheritance in a year and they wanna be able to have the ability to pay off their mortgage. Whereas if you just go and get the, the mortgage with the cheapest rate, you might not have the right terms that are going to suit your that are going to suit your needs. So generally, yes, it's great to um, take it take into account the interest rate. And uh, what we do, especially with private financing as well, we have lots of investors that want to invest in people's mortgages. So generally, as a mortgage broker, I can find cheaper interest rates than any bank can offer. And then I can also place people with the right terms that they want for their for their financial well-being moving forward too. It's it's funny. I was uh, helping a gentleman today who was complaining about his three point two nine mortgage rate, and I always snicker because <laughs> when I started the financial industry, a, a typical mortgage rate was eighteen percent. Yes, so that's right. Mostly people say, "Oh, well, I'm paying three. I'm paying, I'm paying two. <laughs> Yeah. Like, blows my mind from 18 percent. it's just crazy and it was 3.89 in the fall and people were scrambling to to get that rate yeah. and so things have gone down a little bit um but also there's lots of lenders that just want to put out their money because especially during covid times they really want to um invest their money in people's mortgages so that's also a, a benefit too that um that with a broker you can access a whole bunch of lenders not just the one bank lender yeah, I love that. The power of the broker for sure is a really important thing. Yeah. Carla, I have trouble getting motivated to do anything because I feel down that my life never changes. It's the same thing all the time. What can I do? I think we're all experiencing that with COVID, aren't we? <laughs> groundhog day, groundhog day. <laughs> Um, well, normally when, when, when clients are coming to me with motivation challenges or procrastination challenges, um, I recommend just, just taking the first step. So oftentimes we get overwhelmed by seeing sort of either our to-do list or the, all the steps that we need to get through to get this thing done. So often we work through it and we work through the emotions that are under that, but just take the first step. So, you know, people who struggle with depression, for example, and are really unmotivated and don't want to get out of bed and they have a bunch of laundry to do, you know, stuff all over the place, pick up one, pick up one thing from the floor and, and that just gets you, that just gets you going. So just the littlest step to get you motivated, to start to, to start to get some momentum, right? And I often use the analogy of a staircase. You don't have to see the end of the staircase. You just have to take the next step. Just take the next step, right? And um, yeah, and that's that's the best way, right? Just take small steps and get yourself going. And, and once you get started, that's the hardest part, starting. It's like with working out. It's the same thing. Like once you're in the workout, it's fine. But the hardest part is putting on the shoes and getting going, right? <laughs> right, Kate, Kate's Totally. Like, Yep. <laughs> I love I love the staircase analogy because a, a great visual for when yeah. we get started. Like it's just the first first along of the step. Absolutely. So Mimi, I try to meditate, but I can't turn my brain off. And then I just get frustrated. 
Do you have any tips for me? Yeah, well, there's so many different forms of meditation. I think doing the quiet stillness meditation actually is takes quite a bit of expertise and training. I don't think it's a necessarily an easy way to start. Um, there's a lot of guided meditations where you actually direct your mind. Um, there is a lot of like, you can do sample meditations, you can do these guided meditations where you um, work on specific themes. Um, you can do breathwork meditations, um, even just, um, yeah, like I said, there's lots on, on YouTube. There's lots of literature out there that guides you. So you have a voice talking to you and telling you the next step. I'm actually planning to offer one and record one in the next few weeks. And um, it's just, and, but there's lots on Facebook if you follow the right people of really just being walked through it and through that process of learning how meditation works, how to reach this different brainwave pattern because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to calm down your brainwaves to this. Um, you go just slower and slower. And from that point, having that practice, then that's something where you can get that quiet meditation or stillness. I would think that's a really hard way of starting. I wouldn't dare to start with that. <laughs> it's challenging. I, oh, sorry. It's very challenging, right? It's very challenging to still our mind when we don't know how. I, I love your voice. I think you're. I, I think you'd be amazing at doing meditation recordings. <laughs> I think that's something ah, you can create you. and share because you're just so calming and just even being around you. I find that too, just so calming and. Reassuring. Oh, thank you. I think can that's I, amazing. Can I add something to this, Shauna? Yes, please do. I just wanted to mention that for some people, trying to meditate can actually um, exacerbate their stress and anxiety. A lot of people who suffered trauma and are trauma in trauma recovery or trauma survivors, um, and so that it can be really intimidating for them. And so, oftentimes, you know, I, I think that any kind of mindfulness practice is, is a good practice if meditation isn't for you. Like something as simple as going for a walk in the forest and noticing the leaves on the trees is, I don't know, Mimi, would you agree? That's technically, that's a meditation, right? That's a mindfulness oh. practice, right? Brushing so, my horses can be yeah, a meditation. Exactly. So it, like doesn't, a mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be like sitting still, you know, crisscross applesauce and being quiet for an hour, right? That's that, then that's what intimidates people I find. Mm -hmm. But especially for people who aren't used to being still, it actually has the opposite effect. It has the effect of activating them and making their anxiety even higher. And so for mm -hmm. those people, I really recommend keep again keep it small right do something like go for a mindful walk or something like that so mm -hmm. great thoughts thank you absolutely and the power of breath like even just connecting to your breath yeah. and purposefully breathing like slowing it down there's like those simple um it's like the four square breathing where you breathe in for four hold your breath before, breathe out before, that is training your mind and training your breath. And that's already a meditation. And anyone can do, like my kids can do that when their mind is going haywire and they can't sleep. We do four card breathing. There's so many little tools like that out there that just calms you down and it is meditative. I think the word meditation seems stigmatized into this one thing of, yeah, like you said, sitting still and not thinking about anything. That's really not a good starting point. 
Yeah. That's like, that's like, what is it? The eating the, eating the frog? No, I'm not sure what that <laughs> phrase is, but that's like biting off more than you can chew sometimes. Oops. Yeah. That, I like that four point thing. Uh, Mimi, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. I've never tried that before. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Kate, what is the best decision when buying a home, a mortgage or a secured line of credit? Ah, well, guess it would depend on the person. I know it's my standard answer because <laughs> it would depend on what the person, what their financial planner also would recommend for them, knowing what their financial goals are. Um, generally, um, I guess it could go either way. We would have to take a look at what the person wants wants out of their investment. If they want uh, freedom to make other investments, for example, or if they want to put all of their money into their house, um, how much money they have to put down uh, also would come into play there. Um, but certainly for most people, it's a mortgage, but most people also don't know that there is other ways to afford your home. And that's, that's why we, you know, work with a lot of financial planners as well, because financial planners are very knowledgeable in the whole, obviously in in the world of mortgages and in the world of planning for people, like being the, being the connection with, with the client. So there's a lot of different ways. And in fact, um, going through one of them right now with um, a client of ours and, um, you know, trying to maybe get someone to co-sign for them or, or getting someone to um, come on title, someone to invest in their property that they know, you know, these kinds of things as the client is going through a divorce and wants to figure out a way to keep the home. And so we're having to employ, employ a lot of creative uh, ways to see if they can, you know, accomplish that goal without simply saying, well, you don't qualify for a mortgage, so we're out. Um, so it, it's been a really creative process. And that's, that's why working with a broker is good, because there's not one size fits all. Um, I've seen even just in the limited time that I have been working with um, in this world, um, seen lots and lots of different ways of affording homes uh, or empty nesters affording for their um, children or you know mom and dad no longer can live in their home what are we going to do with it you know these kinds of things and and there's simply I think in in the world we live in there's sort of a one-size-fits-all you go to the bank get a mortgage if you get it you're that's great if you get turned down then what do you do but actually if you work with a broker and or and or a financial planner then your whole situation is taken into account. And um, so it's just a more personalized approach. Yeah, so true. So true. <clears throat> I found during COVID, I've dealt with a lot of people that are going through a divorce. And that's such a common thing, too. It's just like, yeah. uh, I can't afford to have the house of my own. Yeah. I got kids. It's it's horribly challenging to deal with that, yeah. the, the home and stuff. So fantastic you get creative <laughs> yeah well and and i use the term loosely like it's not like we're like willy-nilly like you no. know trying no. different things it's like no but they're but if plan a doesn't work it's just like the, the saying you know like if plan a doesn't work well then there's still 25 other letters that you can have you can incorporate so um just trying to share all of those different possibilities for people Um, is really empowering for the person also to think, well, maybe I don't have to lose my house. Maybe I can, can, maybe you can't, maybe it's not going to work, but at least you have the information and it's in your hands. And, you know, there's something more than just plan A. 
Yeah. Yeah. It can be heartbreaking when they hit challenges for sure. So that's great that you have listened to what they need and try to find the best solution for them. Yeah, absolutely. So Carla, uh, my wife drives me crazy. She is always disappointed in me. I try to do what she wants, but nothing I ever do pleases her. Mm. What's the question? (laughs) Back to Kate for the mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) My wife drives me crazy. Oh my goodness. Well, so um, communication obviously is very important. So obviously kind of like Kate, it's a bit of a creative process where you start to ask a lot of questions, right? Ask curious questions um, and, and, um, yeah, so I often recommend something called nonviolent communication. Um, and it is a bit of a misnomer, I think, um, but it's an excellent book to read because you hear the term nonviolent communication and you think that, you know, it's like preventing fighting, but well, I guess it is like physical fighting, right? Um, but really it's a, it's an effective way to communicate your needs. So it's talking a lot about your feelings, like how do how you feel again, always with communication using I statements versus you, you know, you wouldn't approach your wife and say, you make, you know, you make me crazy or always whatever it was you said, criticizing me. And, um, but communication is key. Right. And, um, and, and so I would explore if there are other, um, um, blocks with regards to communication. So what are the fears about stating your own needs and having your own boundaries in that in that relationship? Um, and I guess it goes for all relationships too, right? Um, but for some reason in, uh, it's interesting that you said that you're dealing with a lot of divorces through COVID. I guess it doesn't surprise me because there's a lot going on in a lot of homes, right? And and uh, and for some people, it's even been um, somewhat dangerous to some degree, right? Because they're not, you don't have your outlets. We don't, none of us have our outlets anymore. So um, yeah, and my other sort of recommendation is always focus on yourself. So the only thing that we can control is our own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So instead of focusing on what she's doing in this, in this situation that you've offered, um, just focus on what you can do to stay grounded in yourself, to be sure, be okay with, with who you are and what you're doing. Um, And yeah, and you can't control what somebody else does. So evaluate whether or not the relationship is supportive of you in that way. And if it's not, um, then seek some support because I think people are afraid to seek counseling, coaching, therapy. They think it's like something's wrong with them if they do that. Um, but really, I think that those kinds of services are all just about becoming our, our best selves and having the best possible relationships that we can have. Everything is a relationship, right? Everything is a relationship. And those are the most important things in our lives. So the more time we spend on ourselves and on um, improving our relationships, the, the better off the better off our lives will be. Mm-hmm. What's the study that uh, there's a study about? Um, there um, it was a palliative care nurse, and she um, interviewed thousands of people and asked them um, questions on their deathbed. And of the top five, the top five things that they regretted, none of them were, uh, the majority of them were not spending more time with the people that are important to me. Nobody regretted, you know, nobody, nobody regretted spending time with people. They regretted not 
not work, they regretted that they worked too much or that they didn't spend enough time with their families and, and, and the people that were important to them. So relationships are, are critical. So figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, go see Kate. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think close quarters is uh, bringing reckoning into people's lives of having to deal with something that maybe that they've been not dealing with. So it's a good Mm -hmm. bad thing, I think in some ways. So it's, it's not good to be stuck in a place where you're not happy or or, but I've also heard from from you guys too that people are really busy. Like some people are having the best years ever because people yeah. are seeking help and looking for direction. Because again, they're face to face in the situation yeah. with COVID, right? That yeah. I'm stuck in this. I either have to make it better or or cut loose, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's totally true, Sean. And, and like a lot of my clients are experiencing better relationships because they are really they they have more time to focus on and invest in in improving those relationships right and at first it's wobbly like i would say the first 6 months of covid were really hard for people right and now that we're kind of in a rhythm i feel like a lot of myself included i feel like my relationship with my husband right now is like the best it's ever been i wouldn't have said that in the first 3 months of covid that's for sure <laughs> that's awesome that's very good so Mimi, what does alchemy mean? Well, <laughs> alchemy is the ancient art of turning base metals into gold. Oh, that's what the lore says it is. So, but I think how alchemy is used nowadays and how I use it is turning something that you see as not important or worthless or even negative into something positive, good and soul nourishing. So whether it's turning fear into love, um, turning something that you think is painful or an obstacle in life, turning that into the greatest healing experience a learning experience at least, or um, yeah, so turning something into something worthwhile and valuable. And so we're all alchemists in that way, mm, daily. Wow. I mm-hmm. love that. That's a, that's a great visual of, of uh, change that you're helping in people's lives. And that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it just, it was, I was looking for, I didn't know anymore what I was doing with my clients. Like it was all based on body talk initially, but then my practice kept going into different areas that just became uniquely my own and didn't know what it was anymore. And I just all of a sudden was like, oh, it's so alchemy. That's what we're doing, turning, like just shifting things, changing things into something, the most beautiful piece of gold or into love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. That's great. Kate. Are revenue properties a good investment? Um, well, we have lots of people who have revenue properties and for a lot of people they are. Um, it depends on how much you're willing, like how much you're willing to invest in it and how you're able to manage it. So I think they are a good investment for certain people who are willing to manage it and make sure that the rules are followed and that your tenants are good tenants and to keep, keep it how you want it to, you know, collect your, have someone to collect your rent or be prepared to do it yourself. 
Um, and then other people aren't, don't want that kind of headache. So they, that's not a good investment for them. So it depends on what the person's risk tolerance is also and how they are able to withstand the ups and downs of the real estate market, the mortgage world, all of that financially without being too stressed. So I think, I think that would be my answer to that. Like it, it would have to depend on the person. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think for me personally, it would be, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there, there are lots of people that can make that work. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's always a good thing, but then you also have to know a lot about it. Like there's people who get into investment properties and then don't realize that, um, you know, that the building, like they haven't read the strata rules properly of their building that they're investing in. So then they, they, you know, they have to be careful of their tenants having pets or so their tenant will push the boundaries and, and have a pet. And then the, you know, the person has to deal with that kind of thing and maybe lose their tenant. And so it's really important. I know that we do read before anybody that we have invest if, if they're, you know, we always read the strata documents and read all that kind of stuff to inform people as to what they're getting themselves into as well. And um, make sure that everybody knows if it's, if it's, because it seems like a great thing, like, oh, I'll just buy a condo and then, and then rent it. But then you might not be able to have noise past 11 and you've housed it with students. So now what's going to happen? And you know, it all falls back on the person who invested or the person who owns it. So it's important to have all that information going forward before you decide if it's if it's right for you. Well, I haven't heard of mortgage brokers reading all the strata information before. Yes, it's, it's really important to do that because then you can your person can have an informed decision. Yeah, that is. There's too many people that decide on the on yeah. the line without looking. I can't believe how many times, like very, very rarely, would anybody ever ask me a question about a mortgage I was getting them to sign. Oh, really? Well, they know interest rates, that kind of stuff, but they wouldn't yeah. read all the documents at all. No, very oh, rarely wow. would anybody read them. So, yeah, yeah, it is important, definitely. That's great that you do that for the clients to. Yeah, exactly. Because you could easily say, "Well, I don't read it." Like. That's their issue, not mine. So yeah, well, that's right. I guess so. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, I guess you know it all depends. It, it all is that service that you want to give give your clients to, and make sure that they aren't getting themselves into something that you know that they don't want that maybe they don't want to get in. But especially if you are investing in something and it's got a um, you know a leaky there's a leaky condo or there's a leaky roof or it hasn't been maintained or maybe the maintenance is coming and you're going to get slapped with a huge increase in your strata fees in the next year or something like that. So it is really important, especially as we're doing private financing, that the lender also wants to know what they're investing in. So we make sure that we know what the lender is, is getting themselves into as well. And, um, you know, reading all those documents is definitely important because it, it could be something completely innocuous, like, oh, we're going to paint the fence next year and everyone's going to get an extra $200 a month, you know, in strata fees or whatever it is to cover the contingency funds. So yeah, it's, it's a very important thing. That's well, great that you do that. So yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's really interesting reading those thousands and thousands. <laughs> I've seen some that are just <laughs> massive. So <laughs> good, good on you to do that. Fantastic. Uh, so Carla, I was in an accident and hurt my back a while ago. And now I feel tired a lot of the time. Is there anything I can do to help my energy? Mm, Yeah, definitely. So um, 
one of the things that EFT is really fantastic for is physical ailments. Um, an accident is a little bit different from um, sort of other, other things, as you probably know, as most people probably know or not. Um, a lot of our emotional pain gets stored in our bodies as physical pain. Um, and so injuries show up and illness shows up. Um, but in, in it, with an accident, um, EFT is really fantastic for, uh, for pain relief. Um, and yeah, that's, there's not much more I can say other than it's, a, it's an amazing modality for pain relief, whether that's pain relief from an accident or pain relief from injuries. Um, I personally have a torn MCL and medial meniscus, and I am often um, tapping on all my love for my knee and, <laughs> and sending good energy because it's all about energy as well, right? Like what our bodies are, and Mimi will attest to this too, our bodies are energy. We have an energy field and, and, and when we're focusing our energy on the negative aspects of, of how we're feeling on, on our injury, for example, that's going to also drive a lot of emotional things going on. So EFT is good for, for both parts of that, for dealing with the physical, as well as dealing with the, the emotional that comes up as a result of the physical. I can tell you, I've done a lot of tapping on frustration around my knee. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, some people might not know what EFT is. Oh, yeah. Okay. So good point. Um, so EFT is emotional freedom technique tapping. So what it is, is it's basically using your fingers um, to percussively tap on uh, acupressure points in your upper body. So these points that I'm tapping on are concentrations of nerve endings. Um, and basically it's based on ancient Chinese medicine. And in practice, it's also based on a, a, a number of different uh, counseling modalities. So it's a combination of like, there are, there are around 40 different modalities that are sort of built into EFT, neuro-linguistic programming, um, talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, acupressure, obviously in the energy fields. And so what you're doing is you're turning off the stress response as you're tapping on all of these acupressure points in your body. And that enables your prefrontal cortex to stay online. So, uh, so that you can um, problem solve basically. So it enables you to stay present, especially when big emotions are happening, where we're, um, we're met, we end up being mentally not present because our prefrontal cortex goes offline. So tapping helps bring that back online to bring us into the present so we can deal with what's going on. On, whether that's emotional pain or physical pain or, or whatever the case may be. Does that help with explaining what tapping is? Yes. Yeah, thank, you is? Okay. <laughs> thank you for the additional questions. Sean. Well, I'm just, I, I'm sure like, I've heard it from, from you guys for a while, but I'm sure there's yeah. people out there that don't, don't know what that means. And stuff. Yeah, true. So thanks for the explanation. Yeah, my pleasure. So Mimi, uh, what is the best way to communicate with your body? But, and I know that, um, Carla just talked about tapping, but is there other ways to communicate with your body? There's lots of ways of communicating with your body. Um, I think taking time to listen and to understand that your body is actually your messenger. Um, I think people have often thoughts that their body's letting them down or their body is like, yeah, like there's a certain sense of failure but really your body is just your messenger and letting you know your needs. So it can be an emotional need. It can be a safety need, like something really basic that you are maybe not giving to yourself and your body is the messenger of letting you know where you're forgetting yourself. 
-hmm. And so reconnecting with that part. So if it is your knee, connecting with that knee of what it's trying to tell you. Um, again, stillness, paying attention, getting a practitioner who can help you facilitate it and translate sometimes what your body's trying to tell you. But I think overall your body is part of you. It's there for you. And um, it's just letting you know where you need healing. And so it can, pain can be simply like a blockage or something that you're lacking in life. And by figuring that out, you, your body is actually absolutely magical at healing itself when that need is fulfilled and addressed. That's lovely because our body tells us what we need, right? We just have to listen. And it does, it but I, yeah, I think it's confusing often, like, because pain feels, pain is only a symptom of the need. So we think we need to stop the pain, but to, it's like telling a kid to stop crying. That isn't enough. So there's something beyond that pain. There's a need that needs to be fulfilled. I like that comparison to telling a child to be quiet. There's more to it if they're making noise or. Yeah, it's trying to tell you something, right? So listening to that, what's behind it, what's behind the pain, not just stopping the pain. More of a detective. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, Kate, insuring your home can cost a lot. Is it worth it? Insuring your home? Or your mortgage. Insuring oh, insuring your mortgage. Um, well, you have to insure it. Um, well, you know, yes, over a certain amount, you need to insure it. If you're, you know, going the regular mortgage route, you need to have... Oh, so I was meaning more the life insurance or... Oh, oh life insurance. Oh, okay. Okay. Not CMHC insurance. Okay. Um, well, I guess it's sort of, again it's an individual thing, depending on the person's risk tolerance, depending on what their, um, how much money they are putting out. Lots of people do like to have life insurance to, um, to provide for their spouse, especially if they have young children, it might be a really good thing to have um, the spouses have life insurance so that in case anything does happen, that the other parent can still afford the house afterwards, um, should anything unfortunate happen. And certainly if you have um, other investments too, um, it is good to have enough life insurance to cover, um, to cover the, the costs of it so that in case anything does happen to you that you're not leaving someone with the unfortunate task of paying the bills. Um, so of course we would run that by um, their financial planner. That's probably the best person to answer that quite honestly. Like um, we don't really do anything with life insurance that's, uh, that's the that's the financial planners role. So we if they were asking about that or had any questions about that, um, I would always put them in touch with a financial planner. Because that's that's what you do. <laughs> it, it is. What it I is. actually I did um, way back in the day have my life license and my mutual funds license as well. Um, but I don't have those anymore. So I can be a little bit of a guide, but then they need to talk to someone who actually, you know, can pr help them out with that if they need and have a lot more information than what I do. For sure. There's just so many things, moving parts when you buy a home. And oh, I'm sure. Like and lots of different, yeah. um, lots of different providers of the life insurance and what, what's covered and what isn't covered and all the little, you know, terms of the life insurance that that's important to know too, before you just go buy it. So. Absolutely. Carla. Uh, I don't feel like I'm listened to at work. 
I make a suggestion and I'm basically waved away without any, anybody really listening. I'm getting really angry and think maybe I should quit my job. Should I? Should you quit your job? Hmm. <laughs> I think we need to do a little bit of work around that first. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So um, I guess that the, the biggest question I have is when you're not, when you're feeling like you're not listened to, what is it reminding you of? Um, and, and how true does it feel to you that you're not being listened to? Is it, you know, zero to 10, does it feel like 10, 10, you're not listened to, or is it, you know, 50% of the time, but oftentimes when these, um, these kinds of conflicts show up, um, they are often reminiscent of things that have happened in our past, right? And they're often related to, um, to our attachment style. So basically that is, is sort of how we were raised, how we were before we were seven years old, or even, even between seven and, and 20 as well, right? Um, so yeah, I would, I would want to ask a lot more questions um, about if there are particular people that you're, you're struggling with, um, or if there is a particular type of situation and, and what's coming up for you when that's happening. And what, again, what does it remind you of? And, and hopefully we can work through some of those issues um, and some of those um, beliefs, because oftentimes there are buried beliefs that are, are causing us to show up um, in certain situations in a certain way, right? And, and so in order to be able to interrupt our patterns, we have to be able to first recognize our patterns um, and see what's happening. So has this happened before? Or again, is it in particular people? Um, and yeah, so like I said, to interrupt patterns, we have to recognize them. Um, and then we have to understand where they're coming from and uh, decide if there's still patterns that serve us. And if they're not, then we do the work to sort of uh, break those patterns and build new neural pathways that have us thinking a different way and showing up in relationships in a different way. Again, everything is about relationships, right? So relationships, and that, relationships and beliefs, that sounds like. Right? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that helps. It's a bit of a start, but, but yeah, ask yourself, ask yourself a lot of curious questions about how familiar this is to you when it's happened before. Um, and most importantly, what, what's going on with the feelings that are coming up when it's happening for you. I remember hearing a story where it's this person's like, I had to leave my last city where I lived at, or I had to leave my last apartment because it was terrible. The people were just irritating me and so annoyed. It drove me crazy. So I moved to another place and it's like, oh, it's like the same people were there. It's like the relatives were there or something. Same thing, they're irritating me and stuff. And so now I have to move again. And, uh, do you think maybe it's you that's the right? <laughs> yeah. There's a phrase that goes, wherever you go, there you are, right? <laughs> wherever you go, there you are. You can't so, leave yourself behind. No, you can't. <laughs> that's awesome. So maybe, what, how, how, do, how do you help people? How do people find you? Like, how do they track you down? How do they work with you? How do you work with people? How do I work with people? <laughs> I still use the good old phone number. Um, I also have a Facebook page, which is called Soul Alchemy. I think it's linked in this. It is, yes. Uh, yeah, it's linked in this. So people can contact me that way um, by email, which is mimibodytalk at gmail.com. But yeah, I also just still love receiving phone calls to connect with people and have a little mini consultation to see if it's a good fit. And what kind of services can people kind of see you about? Sorry? 
what kind of services do you offer? Well, um, most of all, I still do my um, bodywork sessions or energy sessions. And then I also offer the horse guided sessions in the paddock when the weather is, well, some people are brave enough and go outside with me right now. Um, and then I offer all those sessions over distance as well, because energy has a way of traveling. You don't actually need to be hands-on, especially with people right now wanting to stay a little further away. You don't actually need to be hands-on energy travels. Yeah, Zoom is pretty powerful, isn't it? Like, I don't know if people realized how impactful it was going to be. Thank goodness we have. Yeah, and that, and I've done distance sessions just over the phone where people don't, we don't even see each other. And I still can even work with the horses through the phone with other people. And it's been very successful. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So mm -hmm. We can connect over all spaces. It's no problem. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. Uh, Kate, tell people how, what services do you offer and how can they well, find you? Um, they can find me with, I, I like Mimi's answer. <laughs> <laughs> they can find me on the phone too. I love phone calls with, um, you know, especially, or email. They can connect either of those two ways. Um, and I do have a, we do have a website where Shivers Financial, like how it is outside right now, cold Shivers. Um, Shivers Financial is is our mortgage. We're with, um yeah. So anyways, that, that's how you can, can reach us. Um, but certainly a phone call, an email um, is a great way to connect just to see if we can help anybody and see if, uh, see if there's anything moving forward. So. Awesome. And you do uh, just, oh. more, just mortgages and lines of credit. Yeah. So, so we do both um, regular like a financing, like people who currently have a mortgage and it's coming up for renewal um, will call us uh that you don't even have to be disgruntled with your bank. You can just be curious uh, about what a mortgage broker would offer, um, what kind of services, you know, will benefit you. Um, so certainly refinancing people who have any marital uh, readjustments that are happening, um, any changes in your job, any changes in your financial world. Um, I like to always think of the positives, like maybe you're getting an inheritance or won the lottery, and that might change <laughs> what you want to do. But certainly, if you um, have lost your job, or you need to downsize, or um, certainly newlyweds who are looking to buy empty nesters who are looking to change things up, we, we help everybody when it comes to any sort of property um, that you want to that you want to finance. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you. And Carla, where do they, where do, how do people find you? What services do you offer? Um, yeah, okay. So I, so um, people can find me either at carladaws.com um, or at, so that's for uh, my retreats and workshops and also my private EFT coaching um, and also risingintoresilience.com. So I offer everyone a 30, free 30 minute connection call. Um, and, and you can see why, because I always want to ask more questions and get more information about sort of what's going on and whether or not, um, whether or not I can be supportive of, of the situation. And if not, I always have a lot of other resources and people I can refer to. So that's often the best way to connect initially. And I do it over Zoom because I like to see people's faces as much as I could like voices. I also like faces. Um, and um, so hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, I'll be able to host retreats this summer. So last summer, obviously, I had to cancel all four retreats that I was planning, but fingers crossed, I'll be able to have some this year. 
Um, so that information can be found on CarlaDoss.com if, if people are, are interested in getting away for a weekend. Most of my retreats are start on a Thursday night and finish on a Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon, like Sunday noon kind of a thing. Um, so they're immersive and they're really beautiful, transformative, connected experiences. And we get to go paddleboarding too. So that's always a bonus. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and there you. are links for booking. Sorry. There are links for booking connection calls on both of my websites as well. So that's the easiest thing to do. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for spending some time with us and answering some well-being questions for uh, everybody out there and stuff. So uh, hang tight while I sign everything off, but thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, Sean. Thank 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 you,